0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: Hello and welcome to another Ars Blog Cast. Coming up on this week's show, I'll be chatting to Kevin Witcher from The Gooner. Bue is in there. We've got a tale of the unexpected. The man in the bar has got a player history as usual. And there's more. So stay tuned. So hello and welcome to another Arscast. It's been a strange old week for Arsenal fans, hasn't it? We've had the high of the Newcastle win and performance and the low and all the associated, um, histrionics. I suppose, that have gone on uh, since the transfer deadline day came and went without any new recruits coming in. All that will be covered in this particular show, uh, along with all the stuff I told you about in the intro, as well as that, we'll be talking a little bit about the Arsblog uh, blog fantasy football game, counting down the uh, top five or ten in there. Uh, so that's to come as well. Uh, so there you go. Uh, yeah, it's all coming from a new studio this week, which is not so much a studio. I've got a new desk, which is really quite cool. You can hear the quality in that knock, can't you? Uh, yeah, it's a new desk and it's all very cool and it's up in the new office in my new house and I've got my pictures on the walls, my signed Arsenal shirt and it's it's, a, it's an area conducive to talking about Arsenal. So there you go. I just thought I'd share that with you a little bit. Uh, so uh, let's start with the positive stuff, will we? And that was last Saturday... Uh, against Newcastle when we won 3-0, put in a very good performance again uh, after the uh, FC 20 game as well. Uh, we kept that up. We won 3-0, two goals from uh, Robin Van Persie, which was very nice to get uh, his season kick-started, and a goal for De Nielsen as well, uh, who had that nightmare game against Fulham, uh, but made up for it, I suppose, with uh, with a goal against Newcastle. And it's nice to see him get it because it does take a bit of pressure off him. I, I think, you know, De Nielsen is a good player. Uh, but he's only 19 or 20, and you're going to get that kind of inconsistency. Remember, he's only played, what, 25, 30 games for us in total. Uh, so uh, I think that's just something we're going to have to live with. And, of course, given the fact uh, we didn't bring anybody uh, during the transfer window, uh, we're going to have to live with it uh, a little bit more than we might like. But there you go. Uh, so, yeah, good performance. Um, a good antidote, shall we say, uh, the week that followed the Fulham game, the uh, the win over 20 and those uh, three goals against Newcastle. That was seven goals in total. No goals conceded. And, you know, that w- that's good. So uh, we all were hoping, I think, against hope, that uh, something would happen on transfer deadline day. Quite why we've left it so late uh, is another question, and a very good question. Uh, not one that I can particularly find an answer to. I've been speaking to some other Arsenal bloggers this week, and, and I've said to them, I just cannot, cannot, cannot understand why we haven't signed anyone. I just don't. Uh, transfer deadline day, uh, what I'm told is we were after Chami Alonso. There was definite contact with uh, Liverpool. Uh, there was no agreement reached on fees. I think possibly Liverpool maybe let us up the garden path a little bit because <clears throat> I never quite understood why Liverpool would actually sell him to us. I could see why we wanted to buy him, but why would they sell him to us? If we knew Liverpool were desperately, desperately weak in midfield, and we had a midfielder that they wanted, would we be fools to sell them that player? I think we would. People would criticize, wouldn't they? Imagine the, the stick uh, Rafa Benitez would get if, if uh, Xavi Alonso came to Arsenal and struck up a great partnership uh, with Cesc, and, and all of a sudden made Liverpool's already difficult uh, job or task of trying to win the league even more difficult the fans wouldn't be happy. Same way we, I don't think we would do it. So <clears throat> I can understand why the transfer didn't go through. However, it was uh, very disappointing that it didn't. I think Alonso wanted to come to us and um, possibly said as much to Benitez. But um, some players, some players don't kick up a fuss and act like babies and uh, go behind their club's backs uh, just to get a move away. So some of them are a little more professional than that. So as much as we would have wanted chavi Alonso, I suppose credit to him uh, that he wasn't a complete and utter cunt uh, like Berbatov or like Robinho. So transfer deadline has come and gone. And we haven't really had any um, uh, explanation from the manager as to why he hasn't brought in anybody, as to why he hasn't replaced uh, Flamini, Gilberto, or Diara. Last summer, we were in a position where we had all these uh, great central midfield players, and that competition, four places, uh, helped Flamini raise his game. It It put Diarra in a position where he just signed for a club and he went, I have to go. If I want to play football, I'm going to have to go because there are so many good central midfielders here. I'm not even going to get a look in. Now, if we had Diarra, he'd be straight into the first team. So maybe he should have been a bit more patient and maybe we should have been a bit more um, vehement about keeping him. But then that's a whole other can of worms. And I think at the time the decision was right to let him go, that if he was going to be that much of a, a coward and that's the word I would use if he wasn't prepared to fight for his place after just a few months at the club, well, then you have to question the guy's attitude. He said it was because he wanted to go to Euro 2008, and he did go to Euro 2008 and didn't play for one minute. But there you go. But that's an entirely different thing. Uh, So transfers, none, none surprising. And it's caused a great deal of uh, anger and disappointment and frustration amongst Arsenal fans and a lot of fighting, which is kind of strange because I said on the blog during the week, nearly, I've never known Arsenal fans to be so unanimous in their opinion on one thing. Everybody said, we need this central midfielder, everybody. Of course, some people went about saying it differently than others, but the the basic fact was that everybody was in agreement. I suppose it's how you react to it not happening, that that... Differs people. Uh, Some people uh, are uh, very angry with Arsene Wenger and think he should go. And other people say, well, the manager's made his uh, decision. He's going to have to live with it. And we should just get behind the team now because that's the team we've got until January. Personally speaking, I have to say I'm I'm, I'm disappointed uh, that we didn't bring anyone in. I think we've needed a player for pretty much the whole of the summer. We've had all of the summer to do it. I I find it difficult to believe that Arsene Wenger, with his scouting network, with his experience, with his knowledge of the European game, uh, can't find for us a Sanya for midfield or an Eduardo for midfield. I find it difficult to believe he can't do that. Uh, So it's frustrating and and you worry. I mean, uh, most of this is born out of uh, worry for the team that we're not going to be strong enough because we want to win titles. We want to win Champions League. We want to win cups. We want to win difficult games, and and it's a long season. We've seen uh, how hard it is last season when we had a big squad, a much bigger squad than we have now, in fairness. And we saw how difficult it was, and we saw how an injury or two uh, can really affect your season. We lost Flamini, uh, we lost Sanya, we lost Eduardo, and those injuries hurt us, I think. So um, how we've gone from having a big, big collection of central midfielders to a collection... Um, which is fairly weak, as weak as we've ever known, under Arsene Wenger, is is worrying and frustrating and um, disappointing. At the same time, though, there's not much we can do about it now. And uh, I, I quite intend to enjoy the football, because um, I can't go through the next four months being angry or being bitter or, or whatever it is, um, that you would be if you were to hang on to this. The football season is something we live for all summer long. We're only three games into it, and already people are they are not enjoying it. And if you can't enjoy it, despite everything, then what's the point, really? I can understand everybody's frustration. I can understand everybody's anger. Uh, I can't understand people taking it as far as some people have. Some of the stuff you read, on, on particularly in comments on, on other blogs, is, is pretty awful. But everybody's entitled to their opinion. Uh, but I fail to see how those people are getting any enjoyment from, from Arsenal at the moment. And I'm not going to sit here between now and January and grump and moan and bleat and give out and snarl and, and the whole lot. Arsenal is a team that I support. I'll support the team. I don't agree with what's happened. I don't understand it. I don't particularly like it. But there you go. Not much I can do about it, Uh, so I'm just going to get on with things and hope that we can get through until January. Hope that somebody can make the breakthrough, let's say, that Flamini did. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, Diaby will prove to uh, Arsene Wenger that he's worth all the chances that he's been given. Who knows? Stranger things have happened. Jimmy Traore won the Champions League, so maybe Diaby can stay injury-free for a couple of months and forge a decent partnership with Fabregas. Possible. Not tremendously likely, but but possible nonetheless. So I think we need to put Transfer Deadline Day behind us and just get on with uh, Arsenal, the Arsenal, and the football. And if we can keep playing like we did against 20 and against Newcastle, who, I will admit, are not the greatest teams we've ever played against. But if we can use those results to build confidence and, and to get ourselves going a bit, then who knows? Who knows? But uh, I'm just going to try and enjoy the football, and I hope you can do the same. Uh, To talk a little bit more, though, about uh, what's happened and uh, perhaps why things have gone the way they've gone uh, during the transfer window, I'm joined now by Kevin Witcher, who is the editor, of course, of The Gooner and The Online Gooner. Hi, Kevin. Hello. What everybody wants to talk about uh, this week is the transfer window, and um, there was great expectation, I think, around... uh, Arsenal bringing in a player that nearly every Arsenal fan thinks we need. It didn't happen in the end. Um, do you have any theories on why we didn't buy anyone and why we left it so late to try?
2: Well, my suspicion is that uh, the thing fell through maybe on on the Sunday or, or Monday morning. Um, I went to a meeting uh, of the uh, Arsenal Independent Supporters Association on Monday evening, Ken Fry was there and he said uh, at one stage it looked like he, he might not have been able to attend to answer the uh, questions of the members. So uh, the sort of smoke signals, if you like, were that uh, something might have been going on but it fell through. So um, I, I I think that uh, ultimately it came down to a question of money. Um, I suspect Arthur Wenger made the decision about how much he was prepared to spend on maybe it was Alonso, maybe it was this uh, Udinese player, Inler, and decided that they were simply not worth what the clubs were asking. So um, on a point of financial principle, I suspect Wenger decided, no, I'm not going to pay that and I'll make do with what I've got.
1: It's a a dangerous kind of a game, though, isn't it? It's a a big risk to say, well, you're not worth this much to me, you're worth X amount and, and no more. When the competition, I suppose, for, for top four places is ever greater, we look at what's happened at Man City now, and maybe there was a difference in price, two or three million between what we were offering for Alonso, let's say, and what we were prepared to pay. But um, when we've known sort of all summer long that the the club has needed a, a midfielder, and, and looking at the way we've operated in the transfer market, we're in profit, more or less, it does seem a little difficult for the manager to not, buy somebody because um, we haven't got enough money or he doesn't think it's worth it?
2: Well, this is part of the problem. I mean, the manager's obviously done great things, but uh, he does have his uh, flaws, and one of them is this kind of obstinacy over finances. Now, he he may have a degree in economics from wherever it is in France, but uh, there's no need to uh, penny-pinch anymore, And, and I think part of the problem with this whole Issue is that uh, the people who turn up and watch Arsenal are paying some of the most expensive ticket prices in the country, and on that basis, uh, they expect our transfer dealings to, to show more than I think 1.25 million spent, which is a is net spend for the summer um, for the prices they're paying. I mean, because You know, every performance is like that we witnessed against Newcastle, all all well and good. But, you know, there are other performances we see against Fulham as well. So, um, you know, Wenger has really made a ride for his own back. And uh, this season, more than ever, um, I think criticism will be justified if the squad does not look like it's up to the task.
1: Do you think he's aware of that from from the point of view that, like you say, he's made a rod for his own back? He really has because um, if things go well on the pitch and if we play like we did against Newcastle and and we get to January and we're in good shape and maybe players are available at at better prices, uh, according to Arsene Wenger, then everything will be pretty much sort of hunky-dory. However, if we lose a game or two along the way, then there is going to be this this criticism. The first thing people are going to say is, uh, you should have spent the money. And he can no longer rely on the, uh, not the excuse, but on the reasoning that we're a young squad, et etc. et cetera, when he let three fairly experienced players go and-, and failed to replace them.
2: Yes, I totally agree. And, uh, I mean, it, it, it flies in the face of logic because... You know, I've never known such a unanimous opinion about exactly what's required in the team from the people that watch it. You know, normally there's a great deal more variety and opinion about who should be signed. And the manager himself has has specifically said that we were susceptible to the long ball punted upfield last season. He he said it in May, We, we need to address that. So, you know, that was a defender. Unless Miguel Silvestre is is the answer to that, and, and I'm certainly not aware he's a, a Vidic type defender, um, then he's patently failed to address that. And equally, you know, the, the central midfield is a no-brainer. There's a certain type of player which has left the club. Uh, two of them, three of them, if you count Diarra. And back in January, he's brought in uh, Aaron Ramsey and a 16-year-old French kid. So I'm I'm to be honest. There is a little bit of me that, that wonders if if Arsene is beginning to lose his touch in terms of his decision making on on uh, players. I mean, I could accept if he if he buys a player and makes a mistake, you know, because the amounts of money we would spend, the club can afford. You know, they can afford to gamble on an eight, nine, ten million pound player and and two or three of them, frankly. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure those players are available. Um, but to actually just not buy anyone um, and argue that the quality is there already to, to address these weaknesses, well, I mean, it's, it's a huge leap of faith. I think we're, we're relying on, on something like Kolo Torre being discovered as a wonderful centre-back to happen with another player. So Alex Song, for example, is, is he suddenly going to become you know, the holding midfield player we need? Well, if he doesn't, who else is there? Frankly, because there's no obvious contenders. Um, I mean, he's tried a buoy there, and you know, <laughs> we beat West Brom, but uh, it's it's there has to be something more. We are we are now a very rich club. I know we've got the debt, but we've definitely got money to spend, and it's it's the manager who's making the decisions over whether or not it's spent. I, I do believe the board on this, um, but at the same time the board are not going to force the manager's hand to actually make him spend it because then if it does actually all go wrong, then they're as culpable as he is. So he's got to decide the players to buy. He's got to buy them. But three or four million pounds here or there for a club of Arsenal stature should not be an issue.
1: What about the, the suggestion maybe that um, after the de- the departure of David Dean and we've seen Keith Adelman go and Ken Fryer, who's been with the club for, for many years and, and does great work, but there isn't necessarily somebody there to, uh, to challenge Arsene Wenger. And, and I think he's been a success because the board, quite rightly, have said he knows more about football than we do. Uh, and we'll let him get on with it and make those decisions. But at the same time...
0: Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature?
1: time should there be perhaps a little bit of pressure from somebody within the club to challenge him to make those decisions to say look the squad isn't strong enough I think you're taking a risk here Arsene
2: well I I completely agree but it's, it's not where where it's not from the board it should come uh, firstly David Dean never disagreed with anything Arsene said and he <laughs> would never have that type of conversation with him I don't think because the Dean uh to to Arthur Wenger. He is a very good mate of his, but he's also partially a bit of a sycophant. And uh, what Wenger needs um, in terms of someone who actually makes him think a bit more about his weak points is a strong number two who he's going to listen to, so an assistant manager. Now, Pat Rice does a great job, but he's not the kind of number two that someone like Alex Ferguson has you know who's actually going to add and, and enhance uh the the role that he, he you know Wenger uh performs so w- I will be frank I mean I am not a big fan of David Dean, but where we have missed him is the wheeler dealing, and I suspect that Ken Fryer is not doing as much of that anymore as as Arthur is himself, so there is a time consideration, however, we've had all summer, so you can't use that as an excuse. Uh, but if Dean had been around, it's possible we might have actually uh, negotiated uh, the player or two that were required. If only because some of these negotiations just drag on and take a lot of time, and so you need someone who's, who's willing to fly out to wherever, Spain or Italy, and 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 do the what uh, Arsene Wenger described as the dirty work, which which Dean used to do. So uh, we've missed Dean on that level, but what Arsene needs in terms of taking another look at things which, which aren't right is is um, a strong coach, but he's so much his own man, he will never employ someone like that. So ultimately he is surrounded, I'm afraid, by yes men. And he gets away with it some of the time. Whether or not he will this season, uh, most people don't think he will, but we won't, we're wrong.
1: Do you think that if the criticism becomes quite strong and quite vehement, I don't think the crowd um, at the stadium are going to be too shy about coming forward that if we see a Fulham type performance or or those kind of performances too often, I don't think they'll be too shy to tell the manager, you know, in their own terms, what, what they think of it. Do you think that will come as a little bit of a shock to him? It'll be water off a duck's back. I mean,
2: mm. I, won't, I think the one thing about Arsene Wenger, which, which I'm pretty convinced about, is he, he doesn't really give two figs what uh, the public think. Um, you know, he will try and entertain them. Uh, he will talk the talk in his program notes about encouraging their support. But uh, he is so much his own man who will do things his way that uh, he is practically immune to criticism. So it won't concern him in any way, shape or form.
1: Let's move away from Arsene Wenger, well, to a certain extent, from the uh, Arsene Wenger of today. Uh, you've written a book uh, along with Alex Flynn. Uh, it's called Arsenal, the Making of a Modern Super Club. Uh, it's in shops now. We've given away copies on, uh, on the blog. Uh, maybe just a chance to tell people exactly what it's about and, and what it covers.
2: Okay. Uh, well, firstly, in, in fairness to my co-author, it's uh, Alex Flynn. Well, he is often called Alex Flynn. Sorry, um, but uh, not to worry. Um, the book is is more or less about how Arsenal have become one of the, I mean, in financial terms, top five or top three clubs in the world, depending on which uh, list you you go by, and and the way it's happened really is is obviously completely traced to the arrival of Arsene Wenger how he's managed to get a team which continually plays to a sellout stadium even the new one which is obviously uh, almost twice the size of Highbury despite not spending a great deal of money um, and how he's managed to keep up with uh, the way football has changed uh, even though economically Arsenal were not in a position to do so um, so, it's partially about the way the club has changed due to Wenger, but it also looks at what was going on behind the scenes in the boardroom and especially the the building of the new stadium, the decisions around that, the difficulties. So, a bit of politics in there, but also a bit of a look at uh, the way Wenger works and some of his weaknesses, because although he is an absolutely unique uh, individual uh, he has flaws uh, I don't think anyone else could have could have actually overseen the changes that Arsenal have been through uh, but at the same time it's frustrating that there are some very simple things he could have done better as well and some policy decisions he makes such as those about players over 30 or, or not to use players that are actually produced by the club's own academy which make you wonder if you know, they're a bit too blanket, and then there should be some adaptability there.
1: Okay, well, we'll make sure and put the link up on the blog. Kevin Witcher from The Gooner and The Online Gooner. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks. Just to remind you, the book is called Arsenal, The Making of a Modern Super Club, written by Kevin Witcher and Alex Finn. Uh, you can buy it via the link on the blog homepage today. You can get yourself a discount, and a good part of that discount uh, goes to Cancer Charity. So it's uh, well worth checking out. Now, how about player history? Why not?
4: Hey, hello and welcome to another old player history right here on the Arscast. Now, this week we were all expecting a bit of a signing, you know, the old transfer deadline didn't happen though. Lots of very unhappy Arsenal fans out there. We have to say I was one of them until I received a phone call just the other night from a friend who has very close links to a guy who knows a bloke who works for someone who lives next to the bloke who cuts the grass at the training ground. The story is this, you see. We're selling all these players and not buying any and everyone's getting all panicky. But deep within London Colony, there's a laboratory... On one of his many travels to look at an unknown player, Arsene Wenger found Jedis. A little tribe of them living in the southern Congo. Quite why they were there, I do not know. But he's selectively crossbreeding Arsenal youths with Jedis. They don't even need to be very good at football, you see. All they're going to do is go on the pitch in their Arsenal gear and then when the guy goes to the goal he's going to say, this is not the goal you want to score in. And the guy will go, okay, go up the other end and score. It'll be an avalanche of own goals and Arsenal will win every single game that they play. Just a little patience is required while we hone their Jedi skills in the swamps and stuff. Anyway, this week a player history is about a fella called Fabian Caballero! Now, even my rudimentary Spanish will tell you that Caballero means gentleman. And never has a man lived up to his name less than Fabian Gentleman. I mean Fabian Caballero. A gentleman would open a door for a lady. Fabian Caballero would actually shut it right in her face. Instead of laying down his cape over a puddle for the lady to walk over, he would think nothing of putting the lady down and walking over her himself to protect his beautiful wingtip shoes. He clicks his fingers in restaurants at waiters and says, "Garson." he never says please or thank you, and his table manners are really something to behold, because they don't exist. His Arsenal career pretty much lived up to that. I think, if I remember correctly, he only made a couple of appearances. One of them might have been in the FA Cup against Preston, and his most notable contribution to the game was punching some fella off the ball. So at a club full of scholars and well-educated, erudite individuals, Fabian Caballero had no place at all. After Arsenal, he went to Dundee United where he played 142 games because punching people off the ball is an integral part of the Scottish game. And then he went to all kinds of different clubs and nowadays he works extracting the semen from bulls so they can make the flavour for Worcestershire sauce crisps.
1: It's true. So, another player history on next week's Arsecast. Uh, Arseblog Fantasy Football League, it's up and running. If you want to play, you can still join. It's oleole.com forward slash fantasy football. Look for the English Premier League game. Uh, That's where our mini-league is. It's called Arseblog Prem, Arseblog P-R-E-M. And the password is Arseblog. Uh, The latest scores are... Uh, leading the league is Attraction 11 with a massive 173 points. Uh, second, Not Seto's team with 170. Uh, third, Ballymunner, I presume that's uh, someone from Ballymun, on 159. Two teams on 158. That's I Love Theo More Than You and Windy City FC. Arson's Red and White Army on 157. Pitvale FC on 154. Don't Pop a Bollock amusingly still on 149. And Rock Warriors on uh, one forty-eight. The top two teams, though, are at number eight and nine overall in the whole of the Ole Ole English Premier League game. So fair play to you guys. You know what you're doing. Me, I'm 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 on one hundred and four points. So I am, uh, and I'm quite happy with that. Robin van Persie got me some points at the weekend before uh, he went off injured. But, of course, he has gone away on international duty, and I think he'll probably get injured there. There was some talk as well about Nicholas Bentner having a very bad sprain of his ankle while away on ankle uh, ankle duty. Ankle duty? Imagine if our players had to go on ankle duty. I don't think I much like the idea of somebody touching my ankles, because I assume ankle duty would be, you know, washing your ankles or perhaps massaging them if you had a little bit of a sprain. But I wouldn't like somebody touching my ankles. I don't. I don't like it. I don't know the the idea of it is making me yeah, horrible, but anyway, that's all beside the point. The point is fantasy football and uh, our players getting injured on international duty, which are two completely separate things. So, um, a tale of the unexpected. Welcome to Tales of the Unexpected on the Oz Blog, Ozcar.
5: Hello, my name is George, and I've got another tale of the unexpected for you. This week, I came across some brass lanterns, so I did. Can't tell you exactly where I got them. Nobody needs to know anyway. So I was going around North London trying to sell them, and I knocked on this door, and a man answered, Ah, oh, Jesus is I. It's you. You're Arsene Venger, aren't you? And he said, That I am. Says I to him, would you like to buy a brass lantern? And he said, well, I can surprise you sometimes by buying a brass lantern when you don't expect me to buy one. But I can't say for sure whether or not I'm going to buy one. Why not? Says I. Either you want a brass lantern or you don't want a brass lantern. Which is it? Says he, I'm short a brass lantern or two. And you know where I'm short of them. And we'll work very hard, right up until the last moment, to bring in a brass lantern. But you never know what can happen. I look at the brass lanterns I have already, and I think, maybe I don't need any brass lanterns. They might be young brass lanterns, but they've got tremendous quality. I said, what are you talking about? I've got the brass lantern here right in front of you. If you want it, you can have it. It's only ten quid. Go on, buy a brass lantern. Says he? All right then, I will buy a brass lantern. Now, that was unexpected to me.
1: No doubt there'll be another tale of the unexpected on an cast in the near future. Now, normally at this point we would look ahead to the game coming over the weekend, but... Of course, there aren't any, because it's all internationals. Uh, we've got uh, World Cup qualifiers going on, and I suppose uh, a large number of our players are going to be involved in them. Then we come back, and next week we can preview the next game, which I think is against Blackburn. I could just stop and click and look now and double-check that, but, you know, I can't be arsed. I know, this. Probably not quite as professional of me as you would like, but, but there you go. Uh, we'll have to see uh, whether or not everybody's fit. Will we play denilson in central midfield again? Or will it be Diaby? Will he be back? Or, indeed, could it be Aboué? Now it's time to be
4: at home with Emmanuel Aboué. Oh, yeah.
5: Welcome to my home. I am Aboué. Aboué-like position. Top 3 Ebuwe position, number 1, Central Midfield, Bossé Abouye, pass Passmaster. Number 2, Central Midfield, Ebuwe Combination of Roy Keane, Patrick Vieira and Liam Brady. Number 3 Ebuwe Position, doggy style you go now tune in next week for more at home with a buoy oh
1: Of course, it's all going to be tremendously exciting. It's a slow, slow time, isn't it? These international breaks at the start of the season are always a complete and utter pain in the arse. And uh, we seem to suffer more than most teams with injuries, so uh, fingers crossed none of our guys uh, get two banjacks because we really can't afford uh, to lose any more players on the plus side. Though I might get a game one of these days. Can but live in hope. So that's it for this week's Arscast. Have yourselves a very good weekend, an arsenal-free weekend. I'll talk to you, of course, on the blog all weekend and all next week and on next week's Arscast. Until then, take it easy. Bye-bye.
0: In a world
1: where money is king, one man dared to be different. This summer Disney bring animation to life as Arson Wenger stars as Scrooge McDuck in Skinflint FC The story of a football team built for nine ninety nine and held together with bits of cellotape.
5: You know, Scrooge, uh, there's a tremendous amount of money for you to spend if you would like to spend it on, uh, for example, some new players. How
1: about that? No, I don't think I will spend the money. Quack, quack. Based on a true story of adversity over triumph. Also starring Morgan Freeman as wise old black guy, Skinflint FC in a cinema near you soon.